From Boston University and BU Alumni Relations, welcome to Proud to Be You Around the World. I'm your host, Jeff Murphy, and this season, we're taking the podcast on the road to meet some of our most interesting and accomplished alumni navigating life and careers in cities across the globe. My guest today is actor and comedian Jamie Kaler. Jamie graduated from the College of Arts and Sciences in 1987, and following his time at BU, he served in the U.S. Navy before going on to a career in comedy and acting. Best known for his starring role as Mike on the hit TBS show My Boys, his credits in an impressive career include roles on Friends, Will and Grace, How I Met Your Mother, Parenthood, and NCIS. Jamie is one of BU's more than 9,000 alumni making a go of it in Los Angeles, and he joined me on the podcast to describe the work ethic it takes to be successful in Hollywood. Thanks for joining us in the studio today. I was going to ask you when the last time you came to Boston was, but you've been here quite a bit, and you're actually here for a pretty special reason. I am. I do come back here and there. I, I'm a big Sox fan, and so I always try to come back and catch a game here and there. And uh, my, my sister still lives down the Cape. I have a lot of family in Milton and stuff, so I'll come back to Boston. But I am here. Um, I'm headlining Laugh Boston this weekend, where I am recording my comedy CD. I wanted to call it an album. I guess nowadays you could be cool and have a, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll... I still call it an album. I'll You're going to put it out on vinyl. I'll put it, it out on vinyl. And uh, so I'm here to record uh, tomorrow night. I'm doing two shows at Laugh Boston and recording them for an album. So yeah, so I'm excited to come back and uh, I just spent a couple hours walking around campus. Really fun. That's awesome. And you were just here. You were up in Salem doing another... I totally forgot about that. Yes, I was here two weeks ago. So I host a show on the Travel Channel called Haunted Live. I had originally done a show called America Facts versus Fiction. I'm kind of a hit big history buff. Even though my degree is political science, I was always like, huge history. I'm a former Navy uh, ROTC guy here at BU. And so I ended up hosting this um, history show for them. And then they had I don't know if you know this, but there's no travel left on the Travel Channel. I don't it's think I ever all, actually noticed that. It's all ghost hunting and paranormal <laughs> experience stuff, and it's blowing up. I had no idea the world really existed, and they were like, hey, you love history, and you know, ghosts are part of history. And so I started hosting this show called Haunted Live with these guys, the Tennessee Wraith Chasers, these ghost hunters. So this year, they did this one kind of big spectacular for Ghosttober. And so they flew uh, me and all these celebrity ghost hunters up to Salem, Massachusetts, and we kind of explored the the history and the paranormal activity uh, involved with the Salem witch trials, which I still, to this day, the history of like 1692, a bunch of like teenage girls wreak havoc, so much havoc that 20 people, 19 are hanged and one dude's pressed it. It's really not that much different from today's social media, really. It's like, think of the damage that 14-year-old girls have done on Instagram and it's pretty similar to the Salem witch trials. Well, I had caught some of Salem live because Twitter reminded me, it was, I don't know if you know this, but it was trending. Number in two. Boston, yeah. Yeah, it was trending around the world, apparently. And because uh, we only got to number two because The Rock and WWE were back on uh, regular channels. They were on Fox that night. Uh-huh. And so we were we you just lost, out to, we the lost to The Rock. But honestly, coming yeah. in second to The Rock, yeah, yeah, yeah. still a win. Still a win. Well, I'm, I want to dive into more of your career because you've done so many interesting things. But I, I, I want to start, as I usually do, by kind of trying to take a look at where it all started. I know you grew up in New Hampshire mm-hmm. um, and then came to be you. I'm curious how you, you know, were you, were you always the class clown? I kind of was uh, always the smart ass comedy guy. Um, yeah, so I was always, I was always funny. Yeah. Yeah. So then how did you find yourself at BU? I mean, you came here and studied political science. Well, here's what's real. I really wanted to go to UNH. I didn't know any better. Here's what, here's what's great about BU. And I'll get to that in a second. But I was just a New Hampshire kid. I really hadn't gone anywhere. We didn't travel. My father, we never even really drove into Boston. It's funny now at my age, like an hour to me is, is like yeah. a commute in LA. It's traffic. But when I was a little kid, my father go, we can't go to Boston this weekend. It's an hour drive. And I'd be like, oh, it's an 
hour drive. No one, no one could stay in a car for an hour. So I never really explored outside of New Hampshire. And I was a big soccer player. And I really just wanted to go to UNH, play soccer, and party. That's all I wanted to do. But my father was like, we don't have any money. If you want to go to college, you're going to have to get a scholarship. And my brother had used a ROTC scholarship for the Navy at Notre Dame. And so I applied for a ROTC scholarship out of high school and I got it. And so basically I found BU mostly because they were one of the schools that I could use my scholarship at. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, I kind of visited and I loved it and everything, but I, I didn't know what I was walking into. And once I got here, it kind of, I mean, it really opened up the world to me in a way that I didn't really understand before yeah. that. So obviously you were connected with ROTC, but how, how quickly once you got to BU, did you, fe- did you feel like you were home at any point? I mean, did it, did it feel like home instantly or did it take some time? Okay, so the first, when I got here, they didn't have housing for me. So they put me up in the Sheridan downtown mm-hmm. and I lived there for like the first three weeks of yeah. my college. And to the point where the Yankees stayed at the Sheridan. So I would be walking by, like, in through the lobby. And at that time, I could I could drink legally. I was the last year grandfather. Oh, no kidding. So I could drink at 19 and then 20 and then 20. I was the last year grandfather. And so I went in, like, we would go in to the hotel, and I'd be like, that's the Yankees. That's, <laughs> that's Lou Pinella right there in the lobby. And I'm like, an eight, I was 19 at the time. And uh, I was just blown away. And so I don't remember feeling excited extremely at home, but I just felt, I felt like, here we go. It was like, you know, when you stand on the diving board and you kind of go, here we go, man. It just was this weird, like, opening of a window where people were like, you know, there's a whole world out there. And I hadn't seen it in New Hampshire. I'd grown up in a small town in Hooksit. The big city was Manchester. I went to high school in Manchester. And it was like so small towny that when I got here and all of a sudden you saw this ginormous group of international students really everywhere that it just opened my eyes to like, oh, there's a whole world out there that I don't know anything about. So did you come in knowing that you wanted to study political science? I mean, you mentioned that you're a history buff. Were you at the time as well? Or I always was a history buff, and I honestly thought I was going to be a lawyer. I really mm. was. So, And here was the weird thing. I knew I had a job. Like, I knew the day after I graduated I was going to be commissioned. So I never, like, most of my friends were like, you know, we're taking interviews. And I'm like, man, I, I'm going to San Diego the day after I graduate. Yeah. What and was the commitment that you, you made for four years? Four so years. it's a okay. four-year degree, and then they pay for it all, room and board, and then you have a four year commitment. Okay. So it was great. I ended up doing five before yeah. I get out. But, um, so you finish up at BU and you're, you're commissioned into four years in the Navy. How does it work out being the class clown uh, in the Navy? It was pretty good, actually. I was, a, I, w- I got along well. I, you know, I basically was your manager. I was on a ship and I had like 85 guys and I ran a um, weapons department and we went overseas. It was really fun. And we were living in San Diego. I was in schools. And so I lived on Coronado and then I went to a school for like six months up in San Francisco. And um, it was great. It's funny today too. I think kids nowadays, like I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old and it's like, if they're not in sports and dance at this point, it's like, write them off. That's what the parents are teaching you, right? At that time, everybody I remember coming to school with, very few people knew exactly what they wanted to do. I felt like college was going, all right, let's see what's out there, what we want to do. And now I feel like kids are really specifically so targeted, almost to a fault of like, hey, you're going to be around for the next 80 years. You might want to, you know, you don't have to jump into something at 15 years old and go, this is this is the direction of my life. So yeah. I don't know. Back in those days, it was more, hey, we're liberal arts. Let's see what piques our interest. Yeah. We've spent a lot of time talking about that on this podcast. The whole thing is about people's career path and how they make these decisions and go from one thing to the other. So while you're commissioned, you've, you've got committed four years mm-hmm. to the Navy. Are you thinking about what happens? Are you thinking about the Navy as a career? Are you, or do you already have sure. some ideas about, yeah? I was. I really love, like, my, my, my brother went on to become an admiral. Mm-hmm. And so he... Uh, 
he did like 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why. I, I, I was the first ship I was on, the, the captain was great. He would pull into, we went to the Portland Rose Festival. We partied and it was a ball and we were, you know, we did our work and then we would tear it up. I mean, we went to Australia and I went to Southeast Asia and every Hong Kong, it was fantastic. And then the next ship I went to, the captain was kind of a, he was more of a putz and it was, he was kind of like, let's clean and stay on the ship. And, and he didn't have the same swagger and it kind of soured me a little bit. And I also felt like at that point I was starting to look for something different. In the same way that I became an actor, I feel like it's because I'm always amazed by somebody who stays in the same job for like 60 years and gets the gold watch at the end. Part of me now as a parent respects that and goes, I totally get that, the stability of it all, because I'm still a freelance worker. But I do love, you know, I... I hosted a ghost show. I'm headlining a comedy club. Last week, I shot Tacoma FD, a sitcom for True TV. So it's this crazy potpourri of your... I mean, I'm always in the performance mode, but it's always different. And you work on a show, and then it's a different show. And for me, I really like that aspect. It's just who I am more so. So how did you end, end things? Did you just... You had a four-year commission at the end of it. You said, I'm done. Or at what point? I, I, I it's feel a big like deal. you got started with, with stand-up comedy is kind of where, where you're I didn't actually. No, I didn't okay. start with stand-up. I was too – I think here was the other thing. And if I could go back in time, I would tell – I was nervous, I think, and more insecure. And I think that's pretty common. Sure. Of course, as you grow older, it's so funny how like back then you're so insecure about your body and as you grow older, you're that guy on the beach with the AM, FM headphone set and the (laughs) skin like burnt bacon where you're just walking down there, you don't care anymore in a Speedo. But as a kid, I was so like, I cared what people thought so much and I was almost insecure to a point of like, is this perfect? Is is what I'm doing? And and so when I finally got out and saw the world and did everything, I I think it made me more open to go to try stuff. So when I you have to get out of the Navy a year almost before you have to put your you have to resign your commission mm-hmm. as an officer mm-hmm. and it's a big deal mm-hmm. you have to sign this letter and put it in you still have to do one more year they try to convince you to stay for like six more months and then finally they realize you're a lost cause and then they just kind of you're a short timer on your mm-hmm. way out mm-hmm. and so at that time i had three months leave when i got out and i remember i just went i lived on the beach in san diego i had a apartment down there with some friends and i had three months of paid still from the navy and i wanted to get a i said i'm gonna get a bartending job and just live life okay and so i went into this one bar i didn't know how to pour drinks but i knew there was a microbrewery only sold beer and wine so i went into the place and i said hey i want to apply for the job they said we're not hiring i said it's okay i got three paid three months paid leave i'm gonna come in every day until you hire me and she laughed or whatever and i went in the next day and then the next day and then 28 days later (laughs) I, i would just i would cruise by on my bike and be like hey is today the day and she'd be like, not today. (laughs) And then one day, finally, she goes, you know what? Today's the day. Come in tonight at 8 p.m. I'm getting rid of this guy. He's he's not working out. And so I got there and uh, I showed up and she goes, oh my gosh, I forgot to fire him. Come come back in an hour. And so I had to leave and I came back in an hour and then I got that job. And then, so I bartended and uh, I was kind of starting, my friend was in an improv group and he goes, you're really funny. Come come do this improv with me. And I, I think I had always kind of had, it's funny, all my friends from grade school are like, dude, we totally knew you were going to do that. But yeah. um, I just didn't have the courage at the time. And yeah. so when I finally explored it and, and honestly, I mean, coming to BU and then going to the Navy, you're like, oh, why, why am I so worried about what I'm going to do? This, I can do anything you want, man. Just take a shot at it. Who cares? But when I first got out, I was going to do advertising and I was going to do a bunch of different things. And then I fell into this improv troupe. And as soon as I got on stage, I was like, oh, I'm home. This is it. Okay. So looking back now, I mean, how do you feel like BU 
and your time in the Navy, maybe. Are, are there skills that you learned, thing, experiences that you had that you still draw on in order to sort of navigate this career in entertainment? Absolutely. I mean, there's a professionalism that, I mean, especially like being on time, you yeah. know, like the Navy thing was still, sure. I'm still, I, I had to fight it a little bit. I was almost too meticulous coming out of the Navy and I had to be a little more creative and let that side of my brain go. Um I don't, I mean, BU just was an overall wake up call. You would see all these other people doing things and you're like, wait, you, you can do that. Like I never, as a kid thought acting was a real job. You know, I, we, I used to do a joke that my father thought John Wayne fought in every war throughout history. He didn't, he was just an actor. His name's Marion. That's, that's who he was, <laughs> but that's what people don't understand. And so for me coming here, I remember seeing plays which I never saw as a kid. I never went to theater as a kid. And so all of a sudden I would see stuff and just meet people who came from different places. And, and then all the classes I took, I remember studying with um, um, Howard Zinn mm. and all these famous oh, wow. professors and just listening to them talk about the world and be like, oh my gosh. So it kind of, it just opened my eyes to be like, you can do anything you want to do, man. So yeah. you got into improv. So I fell into an improv group and uh, I was off and running, man. I, I uh, Out of that, I got my first, some woman saw me and she's like, hey, you're really funny. I, I'll rep you. You want to go out in some commercial auditions? And I said, sure. And so, so literally an agent or an agent. Yeah. But this was like in San Diego. It wasn't like CAA walked in and were like, Hey, you're going to be a movie star. It was, it was this little tiny agency in San Diego. And so she sent me on this uh, SeaWorld commercial. The very first audition I went on and I booked it. Wow. I booked, it was like St. Patrick's Day. I you're just, like, Hey, this is easy. I was too stupid to be nervous. Like they just, <laughs> it was a cattle call and they walked down and they were like, uh, you're it's with St. Patrick and they go sing Danny Boy and I just was and I can't sing to save my life and I was like Danny Boy the pipes are blowing or whatever and they booked me and I just I remember like I made like forty grand off of my very first job. And I was like, I'm like, this is the greatest job on earth. This is what the early nineties, uh, nine yeah, like ninety one maybe. Wow. And barely in the SeaWorld commercial, but I made a ton of money. And yeah. then, so I did a Renegade episode, and I started taking a few classes. So things just came from there. Yeah. Oh, so you are taking classes. I wondered, you know, I the jumped in. Side, yeah. What your training? I, I was mostly like. took improv classes. I did go to one or two like serious acting classes, and they weren't for me. Okay. Like they would the teacher would in L.A. or in San Diego. This was when I went to L.A. Okay. What point did you move to L.A.? Uh, and then you're like, I'm going to give this a real yeah. go. I had a few credits. I had done Renegade and Silk Stockings. I was terrible. I was a terrible actor. And and, uh, but I was funny, and so there just wasn't enough work in L.A. or in San Diego. So I said, I'm right. going to L.A. Yeah. So I, and I didn't know anybody, mm -hmm. and I was 30 years old. And I was like, I'm moving to L.A. to become an actor. And everyone's like, you're insane. That's never going to happen. And so I moved up there, and at the first year, it was hard, man. I didn't know anybody. And so I joined a theater company, mm -hmm. Acme Comedy Theater, and I just kept at it, man. I just, the tenacity, I think also, here's what BU and the Navy taught me was tenacity. And I, it's sometimes like, I now I do a bit about have a plan B, because you'll see the person who wins the Academy Award and they go, I just never had a plan B. You know, you always got to follow through. And I, I, think, I think plan Bs are actually, you should have. Sure. You can't, you know, otherwise you end up homeless. Like I had jobs and I bartended, I always earned, yeah. but I, I just kept at it and I kept, you know, keep keeping at it. And, and so I booked here and there and booked here and there and booked here and there. And then, you know, I started to recur on Will and Grace. I did Friends yeah. and then I did My Boys. And and then that was when Let's I Let's not skip quit. over any of that. No. Um, but so I'm wondering as a, uh, we have so many BU alumni, whether they went to the College of Fine Arts and the acting program, you know, Com, College of Communication yeah. alumni who 
go to L.A. with looking to do what you do, what are those lessons that you're learning about going out for parts and, and what you need to do to sort of, you know, I, I can't help but think about the story you told about going, you know, the same bar every day for a month yeah. to, to, to show that you really want that gig. Yeah. You're, you're selling yourself. What early lessons are you learning about being having success and, and booking those roles? Well, I also had a sense of humor people. about it. I think like now I look back at that story and, you know, I think if someone else did that, someone who didn't really have a sense of humor about it and they just, I'm going to show up every day until you hire me. Like a week later, there'd be a restraining order. But I was funny. And so the woman just every day, she'd be like, she would go, come on in. And she would chat for a while. And she'd be like, not, not today. I don't have any spots for you, yeah. but you're, you know. Yeah. I do think, um, it's funny too with social media today. I have this big thing about, I won't write anything negative. It's always, if, any, if it's negative, it's about me. Like I'm always, it's, I, I'm just so, and it starts at the top in our country about like, just throwing insults at other people. And for me, that's not funny. To me, funny is when you insult yourself. It's always about self-deprecating humor. So my joke, if you're ever gonna make fun of somebody, is to be so positive, overly positive, that that's the joke in a weird way. So I try to teach people about that to be like, otherwise you kind of come off like a jerk. So you ha there's a fine line of being like, funny, knowing like the days when I would go by and she would be obviously busy, I'd be like, I see you're busy, you know, read the room, don't be so obsessive that you just keep going, it's all about me, it's all about me, read other people and how they're feeling that day and go like, uh, we have this crazy misconception that everything's about us when it's like, oh, that guy didn't return my email, he, he doesn't want, he doesn't like me, He's a, he hates me, I said something wrong to him and then in reality, the dude just lost his computer for like two days and hasn't, but we have this, this crazy misconception that it's all about us and it's not. Yeah. We're so minimalist that it's all, you should really read the room and try to read other people's emotions. So you've had what any aspiring actor, I think we could easily say you, you've You've had a really successful career as a working actor. Tell my but, wife that, would you please? For the love of... <laughs> but I was listening to your podcast, and we'll talk more about that, but you had this really funny story that I was hoping to get you to retell about how how you kind of tell people about, like, when people might recognize you or... Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, when, you, when you're talking about your career, I don't remember exactly how you put it. But... I don't know how the story goes, but I, I mean, I'm a working actor. It's hard for me to remember that because sometimes I get, you know, we're all, it's, you know, it's the same. You get caught up in your own emotions of like, I'm not working. It's freelance. Every time I work, the next day I'm out of work looking for work. So it's, it's yeah. got, you just have to be okay with the highs and the lows. But you're one of those people that people know from somewhere. That's right? the thing. I'm that guy from that thing. And there's a, there's a big movie, there's a documentary. I'm not in that movie, but. I'm kind of in that vein of like, even in the airport, people like, they think I worked with them yeah. <laughs> or they're like something and they go, and then I'll, they go, are you an actor? And you'd be like, yeah. And I'll list a bunch of credits and they go, no, no. <laughs> and then they, at the end they end up going, yeah, I don't watch that much TV. You must see something because you, but I've also done like 250 commercials. Yep. So people have definitely seen my face. So, but it's weird because sometimes they'll do that and then um, I'll, I'll kind of feel confident. Confident. I'll be like, well, I'm an actor or something. And they'll go like, yeah. And I start listing credits and they go, no, no, no. And they go, did you used to work at a bar in Santa Monica? <laughs> O'Brien's. And I go, I did. And they go, that was it. I was in there for St. Patrick's Day. You served me beers. And I'm like, so, oh, I mean, But back. you literally, I look, I, you know, I'm looking at, at your IMDb page. Saved by the Bell. Friends. You were on Friends. Yeah. Uh, Third Rock from the Sun, Will and Grace, you mentioned. Arrested Development, That 70s Show. You did voiceovers on Robot Chicken. The New Adventures of Old Christine. I, I knew you from My Boys. I, I watched boys, that back yeah, in the day, that and that's where one. most people know you from. That's the one that bought me the house. That was a good, that was a good run. <laughs> How I Met Your Mother, Shake It Up, 
the middle NCIS. I mean, some of like the most important TV shows yeah. in the world yeah, you've yeah, been yeah. on. When you look back on all of that, are there roles that stand out for you as being like the best projects, or or maybe that where you felt that you did the best performance? Well, my boys is always the peak, yeah. and honestly, it was like those four guys are, were my groomsmen. Like they're you still, seem like you guys really were having a lot. I of I just fun. played golf with Mike Bunin on Wednesday, and I see I just talked to Kyle two hours ago and Reed and Jordana and Calais and the creator lives three blocks like we still hang together a bunch so I always feel very lucky that I got that because a lot of actors never get that to get that a couple times then you're like oh you're yeah. William Shatner or you're Ted Danson to have a couple runs like that but, yeah. uh, so I did like Friends was seminal for me it was huge like it was such a big deal it was the week they were on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine oh and I was bartending and I'd already shot a I had shot a pilot that George Clooney had made for HBO with Frank Langella and everyone was like quit your day job quit your day job never aired never got picked up I was back bartending like two days later so I go to shoot Friends and it was a huge deal I couldn't I just remember driving home that day like oh my god I just booked Friends and uh, of course I went back to bartending and then uh, one guy comes up to the bar one day and he goes to order and there's a TV over my head and he's like, hey man, can I get a... Uh... And he looks up and he's like, hey man, you're on Friends. It's <laughs> 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 playing over my head. And I'm like, I I am on Friends. Yeah. And he goes, wow, dude, that's cool. Can I get two beers, like vodka tonic? And I was like, oh, welcome back to reality. So it, 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 Hollywood is this high highs and low lows yeah. and I look back at each one of those fondly like Will and Grace was a big one because then it was the big show that I recurred on and my scenes were with Gene Wilder and Jeff Goldblum and Lily Tomlin and that was the first show where I felt like you know what I could do this it was the first one where I looked at the regulars and I was like yeah I, sh- I should be a regular on a TV show. Like, this is, I could kill this every week. Yeah. And so that was a huge, but each one is a big step. I remember my first commercial. I remember my first guest star. It was almost like those were goals. And I think going back to the BU Navy thing, you know, the Navy has a plan of the day. What's your plan? What's your goal? And so I never was the guy who was like, my goal is to be an international movie star. Uh, each year, my goal was like, I'm going to book a national commercial. Next year, I was like, I'm going to book a guest star on a network TV show. I'm going to book this. And so when I booked my boys and it got I had booked a couple series regulars before and the shows hadn't gone. And I'm like, I'm going to book a show that gets picked up. And it was funny, too, because I had tested for another show. Todd Glass, you know who he is? Yeah, yeah, comic. Yeah. Todd Glass was doing a pilot for Comedy Central called Inside Todd's Brain. Mm-hmm. And I, it was down to me and another guy. And I went and tested the week before my boys. And I walked out of the room. Killed it. <laughs> I called my manager and agent and I said, you'll be getting a phone call in about two minutes because I just booked that show. And they go, great, can't wait. They call me back like an hour later. They go, you didn't get it. I go, you're gonna be kidding me, dude. How did I not book that show? I was crushed. Long story short, that show doesn't get picked up. I go in the next week, I test for my boys and that's the run for four years that kind of establishes me as a, as a working actor. Yeah. So you just never know. Hey BU, a quick break in the action to plug some of the upcoming alumni events taking place in California. As part of our annual Alumni Career Week series, we're featuring a number of opportunities to network with your fellow Golden State Terriers. On January 23rd at 6 p.m., we're exploring deep AI, opportunities, and ethical challenges at Facebook's offices in San Francisco. On February 10th at 7 p.m., we're hosting a networking night for alumni working in entertainment at The Garage in Los Angeles. And on February 25th at 5.30 p.m., alumni are gathering for a networking reception at Cutwater Spirits in San Diego. To register for these and all upcoming events online and around the globe, check out the links in the show notes of this episode. 
So, I mean, you've, you've just shared some great advice, I mean, about the coming up with a daily goal or your you know, plan for the year. But are, the, are those the things that you tell aspiring actors or aspiring comedians when they ask you about, you know, what does it take to make it in, in Hollywood? You know, I've, I've got all these dreams of being an international movie star, but how do you help tell somebody to get yeah, started on that? Definitely. I mean, there's definitely little tidbits like that. At the end of the day, you better be a good actor. It's a grind, right? You too? better have some talent okay. and be able to... Like people like you're just being yourself. I go, you be yourself with somebody else's lines when they yell action. It's not quite as easy as you. I mean, it it is really easy. I don't know why, (laughs) but it's hard to do. And so you do have to have that skill. But once you have that skill, then there's the business side of it. And uh, there's a couple things. If I could go back, I would be nicer to every single person in the room where I didn't like I would see comics who I didn't think were funny or something and I maybe didn't give them the time of day and that guy didn't become a comic but he went on to run a network he went on to be a giant executive producer he went on to do or she went on to do such and such so I think I was I also was probably still in my insecurity phase where I just was like over I was overconfident acting overconfident to hide to mask my own insecurities as opposed to being genuine and and being nice with people and being positive. I just remember certain people who I look up to being like even when I had crappy sets, I remember you know certain people were in the room and I'd be like, "Oh, that guy saw me." And he would be the first to come up and go, "Hey, that one joke. I really that was a great joke." And you'd go like, "Yeah, that yeah, you're right. Thank you." And so kindness will get you places and and having a sense of humor and reading other people's emotions and empathy I think if I could go back I would I would probably try to push those areas in 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 bigger proportions. Yeah. So you're in LA, which obviously is the right place to be for the the work that you do. But it's it's our number four BU alumni city. We've mm-hmm. got something uh, nine thousand latest count nine thousand nine hundred and eighty six alumni living in the LA it's area. It's huge, and it seems like nine thousand nine hundred and eighty five of them work in entertainment. Are you aware of BU connections that you've had? Oh, Nina Tassel at CBS. Yeah, yeah. They're all. They're all ginormous. I've gone to a bunch of BU, Jason Alexander. I ended up doing a bunch of uh, uh, charity events. I hosted the Redstone Festival for oh, a couple cool. years. Oh, right, 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 yeah. And uh, I've done a bunch of charity events and stuff mm-hmm. with them. And um, they're there. Yeah. Like, it's so... The, I just worked on Tacoma FD. The girl who plays my wife, we have already done four episodes together. We finally sit at lunch. We're chatting. We both went to BU. Yep. She was two years behind me. Yeah. I was like, Really? Tina Arning. She, okay. Yeah, yeah, she plays my wife. So yeah. it's crazy the amount of people who are there. But I will say this about the business nowadays is that you used to have to be there. And nowadays, I think it's changing a bit where you can live somewhere way cheaper because if you create it and you put it on YouTube, it's really the way in nowadays. It's not so much getting on stage, joining a theater company, pounding the pavement, handing out headshots. It's really about when you show up, they want to see your digital footprint because kids today can shoot a show in their backyard in Duxbury and post it online and get a million subscribers and then when they go to because that's power nowadays that's really what the power is kids yeah. off of YouTube are booking comedy clubs in a week well it's also interesting from from I'm a big podcast listener because of stand-ups and comedians who've gone on to to do their own podcast. And so that's another example, I think, of where, you know, you don't necessarily have to be an alien. You can record a podcast anywhere. And that was actually, that leads something nicely I wanted to talk to you about. We were talking about on the way in your your podcast, Dadlands. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I will, actually. It's it's funny because my whole act is autobiographical. People will come up after the the show and be like, you, that's not that nap. And I go, that's exactly how that went down. And so the Dadlands came out of, I had just had the kids and I stopped touring at all. I couldn't tour while the babies were 
were born. And so I just would jump up just as almost like a therapy session at little rooms around Hollywood. I would just jump up and I was obviously exhausted. I was on no sleep. And one day I got up and I just started rambling about my kids. And it was pretty funny. And this woman came up, she worked for Babbel, which was a big children's site. She goes, hey, you want to write for me? You're really funny with the kids. And I go, you know what? I will. So I sat down and I wrote a bunch of blogs for her. And then she was like, hey, we're thinking about doing some videos. So I ended up going, yeah, I'll shoot. So I shot Dads in Parks, that video series I have that kind of went off. And so off of Dads in Parks, um, Scott Ackerman's company, Howell and Earwolf, called and were like, hey, you want to do a parenting podcast for them? And so I ended up doing Father Time. Mm -hmm. And so off of Father Time, I had all these elements and so I needed an umbrella kind of thing to kind of contain them all. And once I, I just came up with the Dadlands with a couple friends, and then so we started that. And then I didn't want to do father any time, father time anymore because I didn't really want to be the Charlie Rose or what you're doing, the interview guy. <laughs> which, by the way, is a really hard job. It's a hard job, and it's people people don't get enough credit to actually like keep the conversation moving and questioning. But I was I did like fifty of them. I had Joe Coy, Bert Kreischer, Penn Jillette, Jason Alexander did one like these huge celebs, and it was really fun. But I because of the journey I was trying to take them on, I felt like an interviewer, and so I, I kind of wanted to be more of the funny guy with them. Mm-hmm. So we ended up just starting the Dadlands podcast, and that's kind of gone off on that tangent. Yeah. So all these different parenting things are just another um, creative outlet for my comedy. So you're doing tons of things. I mean, you've got a show tonight, doing stand-up. Yeah. I know you're you're trying out for, for more shows. You, you mentioned sort of having you know the Navy plan and having some goals. What are you hoping to do from here? Are you, are you continue to piece things together, or do you have other you know big projects that you've got kind of irons in the Fire. You know, that's another thing I learned. I, it's funny, all these little lessons are coming out. I didn't really even realize that I learned either here at BU or in the Navy, but not to just have one poker in the fire, man. And I think entertainment is so like that, where people go, I'm going to be a movie star. You have no idea where you're going to end up. If I could go back, I would have gotten into hosting way earlier. People, when I was on stage in theater companies doing improv, people come up and they wanted me to host like dating shows or something on TV. And and I was, at the time, I was also single. I didn't need the money. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to be Ted dancing on Cheers. Yeah. That's all I ever wanted to be was Ted dancing on Cheers. But all of a sudden you start to go... And as soon as you explore everything and do all these different avenues, work begets work. And so because I ended up hosting that crazy show for the Discovery Channel, I ended up in the Haunted Salem Live. And because of that, I ended up in this other thing. And because of that, I ended up doing the podcast. And because I did the podcast with the Super Trooper guys from Tacoma FD, when they were casting the chief of police, they said, we need a guy with a giant Irish head. (laughs) And so they called me and they just offered me the part. And I was like, so... Work begets work. And it was funny, too. Kids kind of taught me that because before the kids, when I was on my boys, I had a bank full of money, and I just said no to a lot of things. I didn't want to do it. i just go golfing. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the kids came along, I was like, I really need to monetize this thing. <laughs> and uh, I started saying yes to so many different things that I probably would have said no to a few years earlier. And because I said yes, amazing things came from it. It is a community, and I think that's the other thing that I learned here and at in the Navy is that no one gets there alone, man. You really, you know, when those people get up at the Academy Awards and they thank 100 people, it's because it really is. Every single job that you get along the way is because of a casting director or a theater guy who ca- or who put you in something or a friend who brought you in to do something. Like, I got Robot Chicken because I was working on that pilot that never went, and his girlfriend, Seth Green's girlfriend, was in the show, and he was like, hey, man, you want to do some voices on this thing? And I went, yeah. And then three years later, he started making Robot Chicken. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, uh, Jamie, it's been awesome to have you here in the studio, and uh, thanks for coming back to Boston. I'm glad you were back in Boston, but have a great show tonight. Thank and, you. Uh, 
Thanks for having me. It's really, it's so nostalgic today to walk around and see the students. And honestly, it kind of relights the pilot fire of creativity. You must feel that way, like living, walking around a campus and just seeing these kids with the hope in their eyes. And, and yeah, I think as you get old, you know, especially in today's society with all the crazy social media going on, people get a little tribal and they try to stay in their little groups instead of opening their eyes and getting out there. And walking around the campus today, I really just, you see all these different kids from all these different places just getting along and their whole lives ahead of them and it's kind of inspirational. And then when you think about all the different things that they're studying yeah. and all the things that they'll go on to do, that's certainly one of the, the reasons why I've, you mentioned, you know, people who've had these, you know, careers at one place. I've been at BU for almost 20 years. And I think that's a big reason why is be, 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 being a part of that community has been uh, really rewarding. But. Yeah, there is something they have, they say something about having elderly people live on campuses. Have you seen that whole thing? No. There's a big influx of bringing el- elderly people to live on campuses all over the country. And it's a, it's almost a rejuvenation and, and the, when they do that, they live longer. They're more creative. They have all these outlets because of the the campus lifestyle that is so prevalent in that. Well, when you're ready to turn the spotlight off, <laughs> we'll find a place for Dude, you here. Dude, don't even say that because my wife and I are dark. We, we have two little gingers. We can't be in California for long. They can't be in the sun that much. <laughs> we might have to bring them back to Boston where they should be. This is like their home base. All right. Well, I'm glad we've settled it. <laughs> Thanks again, Jamie. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Jamie for joining me on the podcast. I had a great time talking with him. If you enjoyed our conversation, check out thedadlands.io, where you'll find blogs, videos, and podcasts featuring Jamie's hilarious perspective on parenting and more. If you want to keep up with all of Jamie's current projects, be sure to like his official Facebook page or follow him on Instagram at Jamie Kaler. You'll find all the links in the show notes for this episode. On behalf of everyone on the BU Alumni Relations team, thanks so much for listening to Proud to Be You. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you find your episodes. I'm Jeff Murphy, and no matter where your path takes you, be proud to be you. The Proud to Be You podcast is produced by Boston University Alumni Relations. Our theme is from Jump and APM Music. To learn more about Proud to Be You, visit bu.edu slash proud to be you.